Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 31st episode of the Pulling Tar Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. I really, really, really appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. If you like the episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any more. Please share it on social media. That's how we get more listeners, folks. That way your friends can listen as well. I would also love to see some more ratings or comments That way people are more aware of the podcast itself. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at It's R.A. Coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N so that you don't miss out on any news about the podcast. I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, Sam Jelinek. Sam is the voice of the Bradenton Marauders, former broadcast assistant with the Delmarva Shorebirds, and he's in the running to call the 2021 Futures game. Can't wait to catch up with Sam Jelinek right after this break. Sam, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to chat with me and catch up. I know that the plan for you this baseball season was to join the Bradenton Marauders, and broadcasting jobs are extremely hard to find right now. What have you been up to this summer so far? Yeah, so uh, I was with Bradenton, uh, started there. Uh, late February, and the cool part of that job is uh, we're also the home for Pirate Spring Training, so we're all part of that. I don't get to broadcast Spring Training. Uh, they have had some of the previous Braves and Radio guys do some innings, so who knows, maybe one day. But uh, basically, for Spring Training, I'm just an extra hand for the press box. Whatever the major league, the major league staff comes in and they handle everything, so whatever they need, I help them out with. And so we were doing that for a month or so, and then obviously COVID hit, we shut everything down, uh, we all went to work from home mode, uh, so we were all there for a couple extra months before, like, everybody at this point in minor league baseball got furloughed, and yep. not at this point, I would love to know how, <laughs> but uh, that happened, so I was spending time with my grandmother down in Florida, uh, on the opposite coast from Bradenton, for okay. a bit of that, and then finally, right before everything got really past Florida, I came back up north uh, to New York, and I'm now here in Syracuse where I make uh, my off-season home. And now just, you know, grinding away part-time jobs, trying to, you know, keep a little cash flow coming in and, you know, trying to stay sane, I guess. Yeah, man, you have to. You have to. So will you still be the Bradenton play-by-play broadcaster next season, or is that to be determined? Right now, that's the plan. Um, okay. I talked to them with that. Uh, like a lot of people, a lot of broadcasters in my league baseball were mostly seasonal or independent contractor positions. Uh, I'm one of those. So at the start of the season, you sign a contract that says I would provide services from X date through X date. Mine was through February, from February through September. Plan is next year, come around, we'll do the exact same thing all over again. And Okay, perfect. And I am looking through Twitter right now. Yes, I found it. All right, here we go. Sam, you're the winner of the August fan call of the month. That means you're in the running for a chance to call the 2021 Futures game. I I would personally love to hear you call the Futures game. Can you, uh, well, I'm going to play the clip. And um, then I'll follow up with a question. So let me f- find, let me play the clip here. Two on one 
yards away from Garcia. Seager swings and drills it to the left pretty deep. Ruck chasing back onto the track in front of the wall. He makes the catch as he busts open the Dodgers bullpen gate when he crashes into the fence. Taylor scampers back to first. Ruff gets the ball back in. She records the second out here on the sixth for the Giants. Taking extra bases away from Corey Seager. Protects the Giants' one-run lead as it's probable Taylor scores from first on that play. And Ruff, who had just moved from first base at the start of this inning, points himself well to left field and the fence for that matter. Busts open the Dodgers' bullpen gate. So he puts it away for the second out. Here in the bottom of the sixth, Giants still up 2-1. Beautiful. Takes me, takes me back to the good old days, Sam. So, can you explain the contest and tell us how the listeners can vote for you? Yeah, so uh, the contest is through uh, SiriusXM. Uh, you know, if you don't subscribe, you should. I do. Uh, and they basically started the contest that was, we will put out uh, a video clip of a highlight of a play and say, record yourself calling this play, send it into us, we'll take five finals every month, and then live on air, they'll go ahead and basically dissect each call, take a winner out of that five. I was the lucky winner for the month of August, they'll do it again in September and October, Okay. Uh, and then they'll take three winners, and in November, we still don't know what the grand prize uh, competition is going to be, they haven't really sorted that out yet. But they'll throw us into some sort of live competition again in November and select a winner who gets to call a little bit of a futures game uh, during All-Star Week. And we also get a trip to the All-Star game, tickets to the All-Star game, air fare travel, you know, a whole shebang. Yes. So, uh, yeah, you know, I randomly saw it on Twitter to enter into it. I did, and, you know, good things happened. Perfect, man. Well, it is well well-deserved. Um, you know, I can't wait to hear you alone on the call, um, you know, with, uh, with Bradenton or, or where it might be in the future for sure. So, um, clearly you and I know each other because you are the media relations and broadcasting assistant with the Delmarva Shorebirds in 2019. What did you learn or take away from that experience? What, uh, what didn't I learn? I mean, that's, uh, man, literally top to bottom. So I came to uh, Del Marva from independent baseball. Okay. I just graduated the year prior. And indie ball, I love it. It's basically job-wise the same as what you're going to do in affiliated baseball. But once you get to affiliated ball, everything's kind of a, I don't, I don't know the way to put it. It's not like more stuffy. But it's a bit more uh, regimented. Sure, sure. The best way to put it. Especially, you know, uh, like you've dealt with, you know, getting staff, the coaching, lineups, things of that nature. I mean, there's a lot more, there's a lot more rules mm-hmm. you have to follow and make sure you do. Uh, yeah. You know, cutting as many corners as you can in indie ball and, you know, that kind of idea. So, you know, I had to basically relearn how everything works at a, an affiliated level. Yeah. And with Delmarva, it was, that we dealt with the Orioles staff as much as we did because they were so close by. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were interacting with them on a very active basis and, you know, constantly learning just day in, day out. For me, what it would eventually take to, you know, man my own broadcast booth on my own and become, you know, a lead broadcaster somewhere. Okay, perfect. Yeah, uh, my past experiences before Delmarva even though it was still affiliated baseball, I do feel like it was the, um, you know, it was it was Beloit, and we had five full-time staff members, so I feel like it was the in-between of indie ball and affiliated baseball because uh, you don't you didn't have the time to to focus on like one th- one or two or three things. It was. You know, all hands on deck, and sometimes you had to cut corners, like like you said. Um, yeah, indie ball is just so interesting because where I was in Evansville, we're a very well funded. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. owner treated us very well. 
Uh, and, you know, we didn't really have to cut too many corners because we had the biggest problem you will find with any ball team is just having the money necessary. Because yeah. you were going to, you know, the big expense that affiliated balls, affiliated ball teams don't have to pay is player salaries, mm-hmm. coaches' salaries. So an affiliate in any ball, you got to factor that in, which makes hiring other staff, uh, you know, not as much of a priority. Sure. Evans is always a good job, and we saw some of the teams that, you know, don't handle it that well and don't have as much money to go around and it makes things tough. Yeah. But, you know, you really have to learn how to deal with the hand that you're dealt. Yeah. And learn that in Evansville is one thing, and then once you get to affiliated ball in Delmarva, which is a great ownership group, and then sure. a very good organizational structure from Baltimore down, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this is, you can see how much easier and it puts you a little bit more at ease in terms of trying to handle everything. Absolutely. It's tougher. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, Oh, uh, I was going to ask, I think we talked about this before. Um, Tyler Vale was on that Evansville Otters team, wasn't he? (laughs) Tyler Vale, he he turned into one of my favorite players in Evansville. I loved each and every one of them. But... It's a certain kind of player you have to be when you're in indie ball because when you're playing in independent baseball, as a player, there's only a couple ways you end up there. You're either undrafted out of college Mm -hmm. uh, and you sign immediately. You get into affiliated baseball, either undrafted or drafted. Then you get released to the back there. Or maybe you've gone back and forth a couple of times so no matter what you're doing, you're usually a pretty humbling experience. Sure. And some guys take to it well, some guys don't. Right. And Tyler was one of the guys who, one of the humblest people I've ever met, one of the most awesome guys who loved, just loved butt. Yeah. <laughs> was constantly, you know, we had stories for days. He was with Evansville for a while. He, you know, he, he's been between affiliated and unaffiliated baseball maybe three or four times. Oh, really? And yeah, and then to boot, he's also from uh, kind of your neck of the woods towards Scranton. Yeah. I don't remember what the high school. went to some Catholic private school, I'm pretty sure. I, re- I remember seeing that he was from Pennsylvania. Sure Pennsylvania. Something like that. Yeah. But anyway, Tyler, Tyler was absolutely awesome. And it's funny because one of my other good friends uh, who broadcasts Broadcasted for the Diamondbacks rookie league affiliate in the Sula, Montana. Mm-hmm. Also got to know Tyler. Oh, he loves him as well. Okay, everybody loves Tyler, loves Tyler Vale. Yeah, um, yeah, he was on the Beloit Snappers on the team that. Who man, that team was good. Um, yeah, I mean, some some guys on that team. Uh, Matt Olson was the first baseman. Uh, Renato Nunez was the third baseman. Uh, Bruce Maxwell was the catcher. Um, just uh, Michael Enoa was one of the starting pitchers. Um, it was you know all guys that made it to the majors. Um, yeah, and then Tyler Vale was. I don't know if you listened to the last episode that I did. Um, it'll once this um, is published, it'll be two episodes ago um, when I was talking to Ben Hill about the White Wall Ninja. Tyler Vale was on that team. Um, he was one of the clowns in the bullpen that that got in trouble um, because they were just clowning around. That's what happens when when your team is so good. Like you just like everybody's having fun. The bull, the, you know, the bullpen. I don't know about you, but bullpen guys are always like the funniest and craziest. I it, think it's, so. Un, it's okay. You know, last year film on our bullpen group with the. That they were a really good and be some of the best people to joke around. Mm-hmm. They always say the craziest person on a baseball team is a left hand reliever. Yes, but but Tyler rivals them sometimes. Yeah, and but the best thing I I love about Tyler was every day I came to the park, I'd see him walking in. He always had a different finish hat on. I don't know why. We always <laughs> did. I remember that. And you just always say hi every time. Hi, Sam. Yeah, and that was it. Just happy to be there. Yeah, man. He's a cool, he's a cool guy. He's down to earth. Um, but yeah, I knew 
I knew that you knew him because I knew he was with Evansville for a, for a while. Um, but yeah, all around great guy. Um, we're going to take this chance to, to cut to a break and we'll continue this uh, conversation with Sam Jelinek right after this break. Welcome back, Sam. I didn't realize that you studied abroad in London and worked in media there as well. What was that like? Did you become a big soccer fan or football, uh, I guess they so would say? I, I, I wouldn't call myself a huge soccer fan before, but I both played FIFA. Oh, was, who doesn't? So, I mean, like, you know, I thought it was soccer. But when I went to London, so the way... Tickets over there, buying tickets to a game works way differently than it does in the U.S. Okay. Which was a real surprise to me. The secondary market doesn't exist as much as it does here. Hmm. There's not really, at least we didn't check, there's not really a sub hub type thing that you can go to. Sure. It's going to give you tickets that aren't super expensive. So the way you have to do it is you can't just, for the most part, go up to a box office and say, hey, I want two tickets. You have to be a member of the club. You oh. have to have a club membership first. Oh, okay. And for most teams, like, you know, being in London, there's five major uh, Premier League teams there with the big ones, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham. Chelsea's and my squad. Just, even if you're a member, you can't buy tickets to the game because you need to be a certain membership level to have priority access to buy the ticket. Whoa. Okay. Uh, and me and my friends, we, we didn't have the money for that. Yeah. So we, we went down the table. We're like, okay, who's the one team that we can afford both a membership and a ticket? Yeah. And it turned out to be a club called Crystal Palace. Yes. In, in, in South London, in a place called Croydon. Okay. And we bought a membership for 40 pounds, which we split between the four of us. They gave us access to buy four tickets that uh, I wish I had the pictures up right now, but they were maybe uh, towards the goal box. Uh, on the right side of the pitch, about 10 rows back from the pitch. Okay, not bad. Phenomenal. Yeah. And their stadium called Selvers Park is it's one of the smallest in the Premier League, but they pack it. Yeah. 25,000 strong. Okay. And it is one of the greatest things I've ever been, been to in my life, and I'm still a Crystal Palace fan to this day. All right. I'm pretty religiously now. Perfect. All right. But uh, now the rest of the time in London, when I first started at school, uh, my main aspiration was to be a, play a news anchor. Okay. Uh, because sports broadcasting, as everybody knows, it's, just, it's an awesome lineage, and that's great, mm-hmm. but it's also super competitive. Sure. And when I got there, I was like, I don't think I'm cut out for it. I don't think I have the drive these other kids do. I don't think I have the dedication. I don't think I have talent. So I'm like, let's do something else. So I did. Uh through freshman year and then sophomore year I was like I gotta be around baseball you know yeah that, that you know to me baseball you know I'm, I draw life from it so I was like I gotta find my way back in I'm like okay I gotta get back into broadcasting and you know I managed to scrape and claw my way into that but my junior year my girlfriend was going abroad she was uh, going to Dublin, Ireland. Okay. And I had been thinking about going to London, and a few of my friends were, and I was like, you know what, I'm never going to have another chance in my life, but I can take five or six months and go travel somewhere mm-hmm. again. Yeah. It's never going to happen. So I said, okay, you know what, let's do it, but the only way I can make this worthwhile for myself, because going to London, I had started at the student radio station, and the way it worked is you basically have to grind away and by the time you're a senior, they let you call names on it. Okay. Uh, for Syracuse uh, football and basketball. Yeah. But if you miss a semester, you're not going to be able to catch up in time. Okay. So me going to London was foregoing that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I was like, i got to make the most of what I can if I'm going to go there. Sure. You know? So I was like, okay, let's do an internship. I work with a company called Shoutout UK, which is a news and politics website. Uh, focused basically on uh, getting increasing uh, youth voter turnout and youth uh, connectivity with politics. Hmm. Getting kids both interested and 
not dedicated, but, you know, invested yeah. in the issues that are going on around them. Okay. You know, and teach them how to have good civic engagement. Hmm. Uh, it was a really awesome thing to be a part of. So I wrote for them a little. We also produced a couple of documentaries, uh, which mm-hmm. I got my name and the credits for. There you go. A nice little fun fact. Uh, my role was reading over the script and all the places that required props, coming up with good ideas for it. Okay. <laughs> so like a, the, one example was, uh, it was basically a mockumentary about a film director that wants to uh, show what homeless life is like. Oh. And, you know, the director is supposed to be kind of pompous ass who, you know, is, doesn't really understand at all mm-hmm. what homeless people are going through. And, you know, we're trying to decorate this apartment and we're like, what's in this apartment? Okay. I'm like, easy. He's got an abundance of hand sanitizer. He's got a bunch of pictures on the wall of famous people on the red carpet and he's photoshopped himself in. <laughs> and just a life size cut out of Nick Cage. Oh my gosh. And that's it. That's all you need. Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, no, it was an awesome experience. So I, you know, and just being in London in general, and I got to bounce around and travel all over Europe because, you know, airfare there is so cheap. Yeah. Like 30 bucks to fly to Northern Ireland. Okay. So I was doing all that, and it was just an awesome experience. Yeah. That, so I had the choice between. Uh, being an intern for sports science on ESPN or studying abroad in Scotland. And I chose sports science. Um, but it was kind of like living abroad because it was in L.A. So, And that's a totally different world out there. So, um, But yeah, part of me wishes I would have went to Scotland, but... I was one of the places we got to go to, we got to Edinburgh and Phenomenal town. Just the entire British Isles, Ireland, Northern Ireland, What's the weirdest comment you've seen while running social media um, while calling a game? Man, that's a good question. Thank you. I don't know if there's anything like specifically that sticks out. You always get a lot of, uh, you know, the fans asking about the weather. Always sticks out. Yeah. The thing is, that that's not weird or unique. Or unique. That's no. Just, that, that just exists. It's just annoying. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> but when you get into working in baseball and social media, and you see the length these people go to yeah. to figure out the weather and why we aren't doing anything or why we don't have any updates. Yeah. It's just like, just, just calm down. We'll, we'll let you know when we know. Okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're some sort of like evil cabal that's like trying to plot. Oh, how should we ruin these people's days by withholding the information of the weather? Yeah, I live forty-five minutes away, and it's raining at my house. Is it raining there? <laughs> oh gosh! If it was, we wouldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, I mean, I found people. Uh, you always get the DMs and emails about, uh, like, sending stuff, be it, be it, you know, pocket schedules. Yeah. Uh, like, really random stuff sometimes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, or, like, uh, like, can you, or, like, I remember once somebody sent, sent an email with, like, mechanical tweaks for a player. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, like, should I even tell the player? Like, no. I, I shouldn't pass this along. No. <laughs> Oh gosh! Was that person like a, even like a coach or anything, or just a regular I don't fan? Know. I don't remember. Oh gosh! Like, here, I got, got a few pointers since she seems to be struggling. Oh man! Like, oh, yeah, like yeah, I'm sure if he's struggling, I'm sure he's not working on it at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goodness gracious! So, 
Yep, go ahead. One more thing, and it's not social media based, but more fan base. Oh, let's hear it. When I worked in summer collegiate ball, one of the weird things you get into is, and almost not rightfully so, but most fans don't understand when they're going to a summer college ball game what summer college ball it is. Mm -hmm. And they think the players are paid. Yeah. Minor leaguers or something like that. They're not. And it's always just. Taking me back how invested people get in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you, you know, these guys aren't going to be here next year, and also they're not they're not pros. <laughs> not yet, at least, yeah. And, and like, I feel I feel bad for some of the, the college guys, especially you know, uh, you know, most teams are filled out with low D one talent or sometimes D two or D three. Yeah, guys who might not get go to play on at a higher level. Just seeing them get absolutely bashed, especially if they're struggling. Mm-hmm. Like, take it easy on you. It's like a 19-year-old freshman. I know. Yeah, people people don't know how to chill. Like, these these are people trying to make it at, you know, for, first it's, it's a hobby, and then it becomes a job. And, like, people don't really understand that aspect and how much it, how much goes into it, for sure. So... So, Sam, I didn't realize this until, like, the week before you left Delmarva, I think. But you told me that you're a triplet. Yeah. <laughs> What's that like? Do you guys have, like, uh, you know, superpowers or anything? <laughs> we were texting, uh, maybe a month ago or so, uh, one of my sisters texted our group and was like, hey, they you even have a neck pain. And I'm like, yeah, I actually, like, I'm having, like, a kink in my, my neck on the left side past couple weeks. Whoa. Like, that's crazy. Like, I have it, too. Whoa. My, my second sister was like, yeah, me, too. Whoa. And, yeah, that was the first time in a while something like that's happened. But there's always small little things like that. But uh, otherwise, no superpowers, unfortunately. That's crazy that that actually... It, it, Whoa. <laughs> it, 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 it was weird. But, uh... Yeah, no, it's not something that uh, I bring up in conversation too much anymore. You know, once yeah. you get past high school and kind of move on to your own life. Yeah, I get that. Very different. Yeah, because like when you told me that, I was like, how? <laughs> how did you not like? How did, am I just found finding this out? Like, but yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. Like, yeah, when you leave high school, you kind of want to go out and do your own thing. But that's kind of crazy that you guys like all have the same like neck pain and, and like can feel things between each other even though you're like you're you know hundreds of miles apart clearly but wow yeah, it's uh, kind of a sixth sense you can kind of sense when somebody is you know hurt a little bit not not more physically but you know emotionally stuff like that yeah just knowing when to check up check up on them just kind of a intuition well, I guess wow that's incredible and, uh, yeah, no, I just give my parents a lot of credit because, you know, I, I mean, there's still time, I guess, but uh, for, for one of us to become a screw-up, but for <laughs> the most part, they, they did all right, you know, going through the three at the same time is hard. Yeah. They kids before us. Oh, okay. You know, they, 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 they didn't get a trial though. Wow. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. My sister and I are 14 months apart, and I'm, I'm the oldest, and... Um, my mom says that that was just like having twins. I couldn't even yeah. imagine having, you know, triplets all all the exact same age. You know, like that's crazy, man. I, I don't know how they did. I mean, when when we got a puppy, you know, Finn was all a couple months old when we got him. Yeah, I was trying to take care of him. I'm God, like I'm responsible for the thing's well being. <laughs> <laughs> this is awful. Yeah, no, that's how I feel. Yeah. Oh gosh. I'm like trying to do it with like a huge, like a huge, like a small human. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like in three of them at once. I know. Like how? How my parents did? I don't know. I thank them every day for it. <laughs> that they somehow managed to, you know, I wouldn't blame them if one of them snapped on us. <laughs> right. Right. I wouldn't either. Wow. But no, they did it. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks to them. Uh, hopefully, you get to uh, broadcast the 2021 Futures game and yeah. uh, you know, make, make sure you're not the screw-up. 
exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny because we all ended up in very different professions. Okay. Uh, my one my one sister worked uh, in HR and recruiting for JP Morgan. Mm. Uh, the other sister is pursuing her doctorate in child psychology. Wow. And then then there's me. So maybe you are this girl. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. That, <laughs> that, 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 that's what I would say. I've got a much longer payoff than they do to right. get where I want to go. Exactly. Then, you know, I can hold it over their heads. That mine's the most interesting. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the one at family parties and family reunions that everybody wants to talk to. You're like, what are you doing? It's so cool. Oh. I know. You know, it's like, you know, I'm holding down a stable, steady job and provides the good income and benefits, but nobody wants to hear about that. Yeah, man, I've definitely noticed the um, lack of conversation about my job now that I've left (laughs) baseball and I'm selling insurance. Um, (laughs) It's just really, it just doesn't doesn't hit like that anymore, you know? (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, you know, I left. I left for my my reasons. Um, we talked about that before recording. Um, so I I think it was a good move, definitely in the long run for sure. So um, Sam, you have experience broadcasting a wide variety of different sports, including baseball, softball, football, basketball, volleyball, soccer, wrestling, and hockey. Mm-hmm. Did I miss any? Uh, field hockey. Oh. Um. No, I think you got it all. Okay. Yeah. So, what is the biggest differences, or what are the biggest differences? I guess I should say when it comes to broadcasting different sports. I mean, I know. So, like, I did a little bit of soccer, and that's where your your um. Your color person, color commentary comes into play. Like, there's a lot more dead, dead air in soccer. Um, but besides that, what are the biggest differences when it comes to broadcasting different sports? So I think you actually nailed it with you know uh, figuring out not just with dead time what you're doing with it, mm-hmm. but where the dead time lies, okay, and kind of uh, what percentage you should be talking. And the kind of rule of thumb for soccer uh, is a good example is you basically split the field up into uh, one goal box and then goal box for the next one. And then, you know, so you have basically three different segments of the field, middle portion being 50% and then on the ends, 25%. Mm-hmm. The two 25% ends are going to be your meat and potato play-by-play. Okay. Actual, this is who has the ball, this is who he's passing to, he's taking a shot. Sure. That 50% in the middle, that's going to be your color. Yeah. Because outside of an off chance, nobody's going to be putting anything into danger or anything on net from 40, 50 yards out. Right, right. So you know you can kind of relax. And that's basically how you have to how I like to approach every different sport that I broadcast is finding when do I need to be on top of the call, on top of the action, mm-hmm. and when is it storytelling time. Okay. And figuring that out for each sport is really difficult because we watch, you know, during our lifetimes, we watch a lot of football and basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, growing up listening to baseball, so all that stuff's second nature. Sure. Then for soccer, was learning, you know, playing FIFA is a very good way to learn. Absolutely, yeah. Figure out where, where the action lies. Yeah. But then something like wrestling or field hockey, volleyball, you're a little bit more in the blue because you have you don't have that intrinsic knowledge. Sure, sure. Of, of you know, how the action's going to naturally develop. It's like in basketball, you can tell when a fast break's going to open up. Right. In football, you can tell when a drive's picking up steam. Mm-hmm. And sports you're not as familiar with, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, I don't know where this is going next. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can only imagine. Like I know basketball. Like from working at um, ESPN Williamsport, which is no longer. I think they're Fox Sports now. But like um, you know, basketball is very easy to do with one person. 
um, because there's constant action all the time, right? Um, whereas football, you know, and soccer, especially in baseball, to you know, to an extent, um, you need kind of that play by or that um, um, color commentary, like to to play off of um, wrestling. I would imagine that's pretty easy to do with one person as well. Um, not, not as much as you would think. Okay, okay. Especially when I did it solely because I had zero experience with wrestling. Yeah, not I don't just either, from yeah. a broadcasting perspective, from a competition and playing mm-hmm. perspective. I never touched a mat in my life. Yeah, me either, yeah. So, you know, going into it, I just had to learn, how does wrestling work? Like, you know, I not know you pin somebody, but how it's scored... Uh, you know, how is it operating here within the time constraints? And luckily for me, the team was nice enough to provide a red shirt that uh, obviously wasn't competing. It has him as the color guy. Okay. So somebody who was very much in the know. Okay. Just a lean on. Yeah, that that helps, yeah. In those situations, I try to stay away from essentially... Anything that's going to make me potentially sound like an idiot. Sure. Anything that I'm thinking about yeah. saying that might be potentially wrong, let's try and format it in a way that I'm just leading into my color guy to potentially talk from the same point. But right. he knows more about it. Yeah. So he can talk about it. Yep. Absolutely. So, what has been your favorite all time moment that you've broadcasted? Broadcast. Ooh. I mean, I guess I'd split it up into two different categories because Evansville and Delmarva are very different. Yeah. In that with Delmarva, I was the assistant. So I was the middle three innings play-by-play. The other six innings were color. Yeah. So with Evansville, it was definitely uh, when we put the playoff spot. Um, okay. Final weekend of the season, that was awesome. Wow. Calling it, calling it was good, but it wasn't even so much the call that it was the memory of everything that came after. Sure, <laughs> sure. Clinching a playoff spot is the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Like, there's nothing like it. And for me, that, that memory sticks out so much. Uh, and then on air with Delmarva. That team was so good. <laughs> like that, that, that was so good. You had so many great moments. You know, for me, one of them was Danny Fajardo in a uh, pinch hit grand slam off the bench. Oh yeah, I do remember that. That that was really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, there's. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez had a couple of him and Gray Fencher had a couple of starts that were like. Impeccable. Out of this world. Yeah. And Grayson had a couple of 10 punch outs. Gray had that streak at the end of the season where he, in total, pitched a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Over a couple over, I think it was three games, he retired 27 straight hitters. Yeah. And it was just it was absolutely absurd. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, there were a couple of moments that I wasn't on the call for towards the end of the season, you know, getting to 90 wins was really awesome. The 84th win was a great one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. So, it, I mean, man, that, that, that year was fun. That, that was fun. Oh, that, man, that was it was fun. so fun. Oh, my gosh. That team was ridiculously good. All right. So, we do have some questions here. Oh. Uh, we do have one question. Well, it's a, it's from one person, but a series of questions. Okay. If it's not from Chip, I'm gonna cry. From who? If it's not from Chip. I'll oh, cry. it's not from Chip. Honestly. Oh, shocking! Um, Sam let me down. So, um, I, I uh, try to tweet out before I interview my guests. Um, you know, if you want to ask any questions, you can text or call. The number 202-796-TARP. Yes, I chose that number um, because it's called the Pulling Tarp Podcast, of course. 
Um, but yes, again, that number to text or leave voicemails for my guests or I is 202-796-TARP. And so here's the question. It's from Kevin Stein. Is that a friend of yours? Oh, yeah. It's just a friend of mine. Okay. So, he said, When broadcasting a game, how do you successfully blend the techniques of legendary broadcasters while also incorporating your own unique voice, perspective, and word selection? Okay. I was not expecting... uh that kind of question from Kevin, but we've taken. Okay, yes. Uh, Thank you, Kevin. Uh, for me, and this is a question that gets asked a, a lot by, like, you know, when you see people at parties, you know, how do you sound like yourself? How do you yeah. talk to people? Sure. And part of it is uh, you don't think about it in that you're never outright copying anybody. But what I love to do is I listen to as much baseball as I can. I listen to as much sports as I can. Yeah. And you pick up on the way people do things. And when you're listening to, say, uh, Fox NFL Sunday, and you know whether or not you actually like Joe Buck, he's a phenomenal broadcaster. I agree, and yeah. And when you see that there are things that he does, and he's in the position that he's in, you might be in a better spot if you do some of those things. Right. And you're not going to outright steal what he says, but you pick up on little nuances of, okay, what, you know, how often is he giving time in score? How does he like to reset the play before the ball is snapped? Yeah. Once the ball is snapped, what is he doing? One thing I love that he does is he keeps his sentences really short and snippy. Okay. It just says snap, looking left, throws, talk. Okay. Not TV, that's enough. Yeah. And that's one thing I've taken to my television football. Okay. Taking that from him. So you're not really trying to pick up on word or on full phrases that any broadcaster's using, mm-hmm. but you take some of that technique and nobody will notice that you're actually copying from them because it's what they want to hear. Yeah. And it's what everybody does. Okay. And you just kind of pick and choose what you like. I like to think of it basically as there's a whole. Uh, orchard out there of broadcasters and they've all got these ideas they're like little apples and you can pick and shoot yeah yeah pick and shoot each little one fill up your basket and at the end of the day that basket is yours okay how you like to do it okay that's all I like to think about it alright man that is a very good answer um there is a follow up question uh from Kevin Best in stadium food experience. It, oh, best in stadium food experience. So I'll comment on it, even though I didn't try it, and it'll give me more time to think. But when I was in the Frontier League, a uh, team called the Gateway Grizzlies in Sojay, Illinois, right in East St. Louis, they have something called uh, the best burger in baseball. Ooh. And it is two grilled Krispy Kreme donuts. Okay. With a bacon cheeseburger wedged in between them. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. That sounds fantastic. And also... It, it, it scared me. Yeah, very scary, honestly. I, I was like, we're towards the end of a baseball season here. That was the... We didn't travel until then until later in the season. Okay. Like, second half of the season... Health's been deteriorating pretty good throughout this whole campaign. Absolutely, yeah, of course. Yeah. Let, let's not put the nail in the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is the last thing I need to do right now is give myself just one more push over the edge. Yeah. But that's been while I've been traveling with the team. Lakewood had a pretty good spread overall. Oh. I didn't get to go down to their concessions, but they do a full spread in the press box, which is awesome. Ooh. They do something called, I think it's Fried Food Tuesday. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Fun, bunch of fried foods. That was always good. Um, of course. I, honestly, do, do I have to shout out the Sherman Burger? <laughs> <laughs> I think Will DeBoer would, would love if you did. Yeah. German burger at uh, Arthur W. Purdue Stadium. Always good. 
Yeah. Or the Pink or Dove. I don't remember. Arthur W. Yeah. yeah. Arthur Dub. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, the Otherwise, sh- though, uh, in my big league eating experience, I could chow down to Ashburn Alley any day. Okay. Interesting. My, so... Go, go, to, go to Chicken and Pete, grab a cheesesteak, yeah. water ice, soft pretzel, the whole shebang. Yeah. As far as major league stadiums go, I remember... <laughs> so, I went to Miller Park, and... They had, you know, this nacho stand, and it was great nachos, don't get me wrong. But, so, like, between, like, the, you know, the regular size and the extra large size was only, like, 4 or $5. And so, and, it, and the extra large size came in an actual, like, batting helmet. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, cool, um... I'll do the batting helmet. And I got beef um, and buffalo chicken, I think. And, oh my gosh, dude, I was in so much pain because it's not like you can, like, save the nachos for later. Like, and I wanted to take the helmet home, so I had to eat all of them. And it, I was in so much pain just eating all those. But that was, those were really good, honestly. Um, but yeah, the, the Snappy Burger is all time uh, with the brat cut vertically and laid on top of a cheeseburger. That's, yeah, that's. Uh, did, did you guys do a fried cheeseburger? Oh, of course we did. Yeah. I learned, I don't know if you know, I spent a summer in Wisconsin Rapids. Ooh, yeah. Wisconsin, yeah. yeah. You know, I got to go to Miller Park the whole shebang, and we had a, a curd fest. Whoa. Yeah, a bunch of, bunch of different uh, curd vendors. Okay. With food trucks. Had them on, had them on the field, and oh man, it was good. Yeah. It, I, I have it, had... I know cheese curds to the rest of America sound, you know, not, not appealing. But they are. Chance. They are appealing. Yeah. I have had Parmesan peppercorn uh, cheese curds. Those are good. But yeah, so I don't know if you know this, but my first year full-time in baseball, I was director of food and beverage. Don't ask me why. It was a stupid decision. But I ended up going where I wanted to go, you know, moving into the marketing and media relations side of things. Took that job just to get my foot in the door, basically, um, even though I had no experience. But, so, right before the season starts, my GM sits sits me down and he says, here are the things that you cannot run out of. This is not, like, this is mandatory. Like, you cannot run out of these things. Beer, hot dogs, brats, and cheese curds. And I looked him dead in the eye, and I said, "What are cheese curds?" Oh no! <laughs> he, should, he should have fired you on the spot. He should have, honestly, <laughs> put me out of my misery. But, but yeah. So, so then you know, once I had cheese curds, obviously I knew how great they were, and you, they are absolutely something you cannot run out of. So, there's that. So. Sam, where can the listeners find you on social media? You can find me on the one and only Twitter, at Sam Jolly. That's all I do. All right. No Instagram, no nothing. Perfect. All right, I like it. Straight my, my, short. My, my TikTok page is still private. I will not be giving that out at this time. Okay. All right, I'm not even on TikTok, so... Um, my fiance and my friends say I should be on it, but I'm I'm not. So I did make the Shorebirds a TikTok the week before I left, and I handed it off to Chip. So um, Chip Chip runs the TikTok. Uh, the last time I knew he did, or he has access to it at least. So interesting. Yeah. Danger. Yeah. Oh, I know. So. Um, anything else you wanna you wanna discuss? Um, you wanna plug the uh, the scroll up, the fan call of the month contest? Yeah. 
one I'll more time. That one more time. Yeah. We're still trying to grow it. I'm basically turning into a brand ambassador. Uh, yeah, okay. if uh, you do want to uh, enter yourself, by the time this podcast comes out, I think the next entry period should be open. I think that's going to be on September 3rd. Uh, you can go to SiriusXM, uh, just Google Fan Call of a Month, MLB Network, it's through MLB Network Radio, and it'll take you to a page where you can submit that call, you'll you'll have a little video thing, you'll record yourself, you'll off the sound file, you'll send it their way, and I really encourage anybody and everybody to uh, apply if you can. I mean, for me, it's been great, like every other broadcaster right now, we're pretty hard for work, right? Yeah, at, for at sure. Moment, you know, so to take anything positive away from this summer when it's basically dead is more than I could have asked for. Right. So, you know, it's been great for me and I can't wait to see uh, what my competition looks like come November. All right. Perfect. And uh, so I don't know if you've listened to any other episodes, but I end the same, I, I end with the same question every time. What has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your baseball career, and whose was it? I actually just heard it the other day. I might even have you pull up the video so you can see for yourself. Okay. But it's not even a game that I was in attendance for. I was watching a game, or even just listening to it, and Josh Reddick came to a plate for the Astros. And his walk-up music is... Uh, a YouTube phenomenon called Epic Saxman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I heard it, and the long story of it is back in high school, when I was a sophomore, my pre-calc teacher, a uh, phenomenal guy, one day we got on top of YouTube videos, and he mentioned something about Epic Saxman. And we're like, who or what is this Epic Saxman? <laughs> right. He's like, oh, now I'm going to show you who Epic Saxman is. So he pulls up the 10-hour looped footage of Epic Saxman oh, in place of the, the entire rest of class. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. And I'm like, I'm like the fact that a major league player used that as a walk-up, just Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll wrap up the episode with Epic Saxman. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Sam, for uh, for hopping on and joining me on the Pulling Tart Podcast I really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck, man. I really, really, really want to hear you in the 2021 Futures game, and um, of course, uh, hear you solo with the Bradenton Marauders for sure, and um, it's it's all up from there too, my man. Uh, you got a bright future ahead of you. Well, thank you, Bobby. What the young one going without your help last year? Hey, man, anything I can do to help... Um, again, thank you so much for coming on to the Pulling Tart Podcast, and uh, hopefully we can uh, do this again sometime. Yeah, let's do it. All right. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.